0: Ellie is gone Oh my I don't know if she'd run Missing at midnight missing at dawn Don't know if a murder been done Every man with a rope or a gun Stay close till the business is done Search every home, every shanty and shack Nobody leave town till Nelly get back How about some justice? How about some mercy for the people of this land? Now she was happy and gay Don't know why she'd run away Won't Jim Wilcox seen with her last Better start talking, boy, start talking fast How about some justice Mercy for the people of this land
1: Hello. You have discovered The Felon File. Felonfile.com is a podcast exploration and discussion of law enforcement, history, issues, and incidents in the Appalachian Mountains and elsewhere. Felon File is hosted by Scott Lunsford, retired police detective, sergeant, author and researcher. The shade of blue stories for Felon File today. Begun with the ballad of beautiful Nell Cropsey. Red Clay Ramblers. On the night of November 20, 1901, a young woman disappeared from her home in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. Thirty-seven days later, her body was found in the Pasquitank River. Despite a boyfriend convicted of her murder, there are many questions about her death remain unanswered. The sponsor for today's episode of The Felon File is The Raven's Glass Pub Asheville's Best Spurious Restaurant and Pub Scott We're recording.
2: Thank you, Victoria, and welcome to Felon File. We have another shade of blue story for you today that I hope you find interesting. And as Victoria said, I am your host, Scott Lunsford, retired law enforcement, investigations, school resource officer, current researcher, current school resource officer. I uh, do a lot of things. It keeps us out of trouble. Today's Shade of Blue story, we're talking about a murder investigation from the early 1800s, early 1900s, actually 1901 to be exact. But every story has a backstory. So our backstory today, or our Shade of Blue story backstory today let's go back to 1898 a family from brooklyn new york the father was into shipping moved from brooklyn new york to elizabeth city north carolina they're on the shores of the pascatonic river where they bought a farm now elizabeth city was one time was one of the bigger ports in the new world and A lot of the original tall sailing ships brought goods and people from all over the world. And our head of our family, William Cropsey, like most parents, never thought that a move of this sort would have such a negative and tragic event on his family. Now, his youngest daughter, Nell, was a very pretty girl who soon became... The highlight of the town so to speak she was very popular and everybody seemed to like her and of course soon she became the belle of the ball or at least the belle of the town everybody wanted to be with her she was easy to talk to she was very pretty and now the former sheriff's son a mr. Jim Wilcox who was, according to some people, a little on the strange side, a little weird. He was very much interested in Nell and and dated her quite often. Seen a lot of times about town. Now, after three years of of dating, uh, Nell had become frustrated by his lack of incentive, incentive, not to mention his reluctance on asking her to get married. So she did what comes naturally for young ladies. She became a little bit flirty with other young men in town in the hopes of kind of driving or pushing Jim to the marriage uh, question through a little bit of jealousy. Now being very pretty, very well liked, from a very good family that was fairly well off, it seemed Nell could have had just about anybody she wanted to in Elizabeth City, any young man, but she wanted Jim. On the evening of November 20th, 1901, Jim came to the Cropsey house to visit with Nell. There, as normally happens in a situation like this, they got into a big argument that made the family feel a little out of place and awkward. They could hear the yelling and the sobbing and the crying, but no one wanted to get involved in their argument. Apparently, there had been a lot of argument and quarreling over Jim Wilcox's lack of commitment to their relationship. Now, by the end of the night, though, it seemed they had kind of made up and and it sounded to the family like things were going to be a lot less trouble than it had been. They had apparently worked out their differences and come to some sort of understanding. Around 11 o'clock that night, Uh, Nell walked out on the front porch with Jim to say goodbye. Unfortunately, that was the last time anybody ever saw her. Now, her family had pretty much assumed that she just hung out on the porch with Jim for a while and then had gone to bed. But Jim's story was a little bit different whenever they started questioning him. His statement was that he left her crying on the porch because they were still fighting, and he walked home alone. Now, Nell's older sister, Ollie, claims that she heard a large bang or sound out back behind the house about the same time that Nell and Jim had gone out the front door. She checked it out and found there on investigation was found that the back screen door had been damaged. But she could not see anything that might have caused it. When she returned upstairs, she looked into Nell's room to see if her sister was there, but she wasn't and the bed was empty and unslept in. Assuming that Nell was still talking to her boyfriend, she went on to bed. She and the rest of the family were awakened sometimes later by shouts from a neighbor saying someone was trying to steal one of their pigs. Williams ran downstairs with a firearm to engage the thief with his family trailing behind him to catch in and see what was going to happen. They found the front door wide open, but no pig thief. It was at this moment, though, that they first noticed that Nell wasn't there. They checked her room, they checked outside, called her name in the darkness, but no luck, she was gone. With the rising sun, the awakening town put an all-hands-on-deck search out for the young lady. Men gathered and began looking around in the neighborhoods and surrounding woods. When they found no trace of her, they got in their boats and took to the river. Looking up and down the shoreline, scanning the water, the police there at the town immediately, of course, went and found Jim and spoke to him. And they found his story a little on the lacking side. He ended up being arrested and thrown into jail. While the townspeople searched and become more and more concerned what had happened to Nell, and a little more angry at the man they were confident had done something to her. He waited in jail, and the town continued to search. And still, there was no Nell. It was soon they were dragging the river by Elizabeth City and even farther downstream, thinking the body had been carried down that way if it had been put in the river but they still had no results. Now they started firing cannons from the ships across the river in hopes that the concussions of the blast would bring up her body from the depth, but nothing was working. This was a common thing to do with the idea that the sound actually penetrated down into the water and would loosen the water up, would loosen whatever's on the bottom and it would float up to the surface. Now, there's a mention of this in attempts of doing this in in the book Tom Sawyer. The Cropsey family stayed at the house. Nell's mother went to the highest room in the house and looked out of the window at the river hoping to see signs of her daughter being found, hopefully alive. Nell ended up Being missing for 37 days when her mother. Nell had been missing for 37 days when her mother looked out the window and saw commotion down on the waterways. Boats were converging on a spot on the river and she knew that Nell had been found and that she was gone. And yes, it was Nell's body. At first, a mob formed around the piers and as the mob got bigger, They marched to the jail and demanded the release of Jim Wilcox with the intention they were going to lynch him. The local police had to call for help from the governor and the governor ended up sending out a naval reserve unit to break up the crowd and secure the jail so Wilcox could stand trial. Wilcox did make it to trial and was found guilty of murder, but because of the attempted lynching, and the other activities had been taking place during the trial in the media and in the courtroom. The North Carolina Supreme Court declared it a mistrial and sent Wilcox to be tried again. In his second trial, once more he was found guilty, but this time of second-degree murder. He stayed in prison till 1920. That's when Governor Thomas Bickett pardoned him Jim maintained his innocence, claiming that he had nothing whatsoever to do with her killing throughout his imprisonment and through the rest of his life. In 1932, Wilcox committed suicide, having never really spoken publicly about the incidents that led up to his conviction. Even though Jim Wilcox was convicted twice of the murder of Nell Crompsby. There's always been a lot of uncertainty, even to this day, around her death. There are several novels. There are several stories that are out there. Uh, There's a ghost tour in Elizabeth City that talks about Nell and the family. There are other strange occurrences that have never been explained. There was a letter, you see, that just a few days before her body was found. The family received a letter postmarked from New York. The letter contained a detailed account of the murder of Nell. According to that letter, Nell had come upon a thief after Jim had left, and he had killed her by striking her with a stick to the head. He then took her body down to the river, stole a boat, took her out into the middle of the river, dumped her body there after wading it down. There was also a map that marked the spot where she was dumped, which in actuality was close to the area she was found at a couple of days later. The authorities were never able to authenticate the letter or trace it back to its origins. The other strange thing about her death was that when the body was taken out of the river, about, again, 37 days after she had disappeared, it was reported and documented by the coroner that she was very well preserved she had not been attacked by any wildlife or washed a far distance from where supposedly she had been dropped most expected that when her body would be found turtles the fish and other animals would have done their work on her but when her body was discovered in death she was still just a beautiful young lady just like she was in life also strangely she did not have water in her lungs when they performed an autopsy it appeared that she had been killed by a trauma or a blow to her head one thing that turned up later too was an excessively high ice delivery bill at the Cropsey house during the month that she had been missing now of course a lot of people will speculate about this and one of the common theories is that william the dad had something to do with her death and had kept her body preserved in the house until he was able to dispose of it in the river at a later time there's no information about why her dad would have done this or why any other family members would have done this what had happened to nell was most definitely a mystery and Apparently, it's going to remain that way for quite a long time. We do know one thing for certain, though. A young life was taken, and she was not allowed to develop into the young woman that she could have been over the course of her lifetime.
1: Scott don't forget that in 1913, a rumor circulated that Wilcox would be paroled. He had never admitted any involvement in Nell's death. The public's view of him had changed somewhat. The Cropsey's family though did not. Wilcox's possible release was devastating to the father and he ended up drinking a bottle of poison. Wilcox was not paroled, partly due to William's suicide. In 1915, supporters tried again. Wilcox was diagnosed with tuberculosis. The governor was unmoved and refused to allow it. Citing the victim's mother Jim did get an early release on Christmas Eve 1918. Fifteen years after the death Jim returned to Elizabeth City he is alleged to have ignored the cold attitude the town showed him Wilcox kept quiet about Nell's murder for 33 years in 1934 he asked W.O. Saunders of the editor of a local paper to meet him they talked and Saunders came away with a story We'll never know what was said. Wilcox committed suicide with a shotgun shortly after speaking to Saunders and the interview was not published because Saunders was killed in an automobile accident before he could write up the story. Strange don't you think? The sister lived by herself until her death in 1944. The murder was a defining moment event in her life. Is it possible Wilcox was innocent? Could somebody else have killed Nell? Yet Jim was imprisoned 15 years for the crime. Or did Wilcox murder Nell on the porch of her family home on a frosty night in late November? There may never be an answer.
2: That's our Shade of Blue story for this weekend. I hope you found the story of Nell Cropsy to be interesting. If you're out on the west, if you're out on the east coast of North Carolina near Elizabeth City, stop around check out some of the ghost tours over there there is one in particular that i think you would very much enjoy flu epidemic going on i'm hoping that uh, they're back open again i know that a lot of the ghost tours about have closed due to the pandemic but if you're in that area check it out and ask to go by Nell's house Nell's house, the house that she lived in, still stands, and the house is still occupied. It's a beautiful place. Check it out. And there's some beautiful sights to see down in that part of North Carolina as well. And if you're from out of state visiting that area, be sure to spend lots of money. Your tax dollars help us out a whole lot everywhere in the state of North Carolina. And we try, when we go to Myrtle Beach, we try to do the same thing. Now, if you'd like further information on some of our stories, you can drop us a line or if you have suggestions for some Shade of Blue stories you'd like researched and possibly done on Felon File, drop us a line. Like I said, uh, you can reach us at felonfile at gmail.com or go to felonfile.com and click on the comment link and hook up with us. We'll be happy to talk to you. Uh, myself or Victoria, or go to scottlunsfordauthor.com if you'd like to check out some of my books that we have available. There's links to uh, sites where you can pick the books up, some of my f- uh, fiction work, and a few nonfiction things. And hopefully, by the time you're hearing this, I will have another nonfiction work published and posted. We'll have more information on that here in as quick as we can get some information out for y'all. In the meantime, as you're going through the coming week, something that comes up, you have the opportunity, do something nice for somebody. It's really the right thing to do. Do you a world good and it will actually, in some small way, do the world some good. And it's the small things that make the big things in life. Remember to be safe, be secure, trust your instincts, and we'll catch up with you again next Saturday for another Felon File Shade of Blue story here on the Felon File podcast. Bye, y'all. Oh, Victoria, close us out. Yes, right now. Yes, it's good. Thanks, guys.
1: You have been listening to The Felon File Podcast with your host Scott Lunsford. For more information on this podcast or Scott's books and writings go to scottlunsfordauthor.com and felonfile.com. Scott can also be contacted at these websites. Be sure to check out the stuff page on the website. Pick up a Felon File t-shirt or coffee mug. You can also support the Felon File podcast by buying us a coffee from the link on the website. This is Victoria your producer. Thank you for listening. 2. 1. End. Background track unspoken by Mew SoundCloud.com. Mew music promoted by Free. Stock, Music.com Creative. Commons Attribution 3.0 Unported License. Creative Commons.org.